I'm sure this is not unique to our family, but certainly our family has been running ragged. It feels like we are moving from one event to the next event to the next event to the next event, and none of us, neither myself or Aaron or our girls, have much time to breathe. It has been, it has been, and I think it will continue to be, a very busy season. And so imagine, imagine for just a moment my relief when this past Monday morning I was able to drive four hours and 15 minutes north to Metz, Michigan. Now, just by show of hands, how many of you know where Metz is? Two of you, that's awesome, the Metz family, fantastic. Up near Alpena, between Alpena and Rogers City, actually, beautiful place, and it was my opportunity for one week to sit in a deer blind, to sit and to wait for God's gift of venison. Now, I have to say, the deer skunked us this year. I saw lots of deer, but all of them wandering off just in time. In fact, on the last day of hunting, there was this beautiful doe who sat in the shooting lane for 10 minutes to prior, prior to first shot. There she was, just waving her tail in my direction, as if saying, you can't shoot me. You can't shoot me. You can't shoot me. So there I was just waiting in the stillness of the morning as the fresh snow was falling, waiting for my watch to hit 6.55. And at 6.54, she turned her head, ducked behind a pine tree, and wandered off into the brush. And then I sat for two and a half hours, staring at freshly fallen snow, <laughs> some pine trees, and no deer. When I got home, Aaron asked, how was it? And I mumbled under my breath, it was fine. Which we all know the word fine is not really a great word, that fine has an enormous amount of subtext. And so she said, really, how was it? I said, no, honestly, it was amazing. Disappointed, of course, that I didn't get a deer, but thankful for the opportunity to slow down and to change pace and to sit and to be still, to watch that freshly falling snow and to sit in the quiet of the woods. It was there on about the third morning, sitting in silence, watching that snow fall, that this text from Psalm 46 fluttered to my brain. Not only because I had to write a sermon on said text, but because there is something so profound about what the psalm writer writes in verse 10. He says, be still. Be still and know that he is God. You know, as I sat there, I, I pondered actually this verse, and only this verse for what felt like two hours. 
until the fresh bacon and hot tea called in the cottage. And it occurred to me that in the context of this psalm, the psalm writer's invitation to be still is not just an invitation to cease our activity, but it is rather an invitation into something much larger. And so this morning, friends, as we slow down on this Sabbath day, as we still our hearts and our minds to come around His Word, I'm going to invite you to join me in Psalm number 46. You'll want to grab a Bible, paper, digital, and come with me to this beautiful psalm, Psalm 46, there in the middle of the Old Testament, these beautiful songs of the people of Israel. You know, I was reminded earlier this month that these songs that we sing in the context of our worship, whether they're hymns like we just sang of crown him Lord of all, or whether they're praise songs, or whether they're the psalms themselves, the songs that we sing really are just mini sermons put to music so that we can remember them. Songs are the truth of God's Scripture put to melody so that our hearts and our minds can recall them. But the songs we sing are not only songs so that we remember, but they are songs that we sing to one another. Because we need, we need these truths. We need to be reminded of these truths day in and day out. The Psalms are the songbook of the people of Israel. They are the songs of their worship. They are to remind Israel of who God is and who they are in relationship to Him. And they are songs that they would sing in order to encourage and to remind one another. And so we find ourselves in this psalm, in this song of 46. The psalm writer begins with an important truth, and a truth that I think you and I need to hang on to in these days. He writes this, God is our refuge and our strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains, they fall into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Another way maybe to wrap this up is that no matter the chaos of the world, no matter the craziness of your life, no matter what is happening in the world around you, this is true, that God is our refuge and our strength. He is an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, therefore we will not fear. From the very beginning of this psalm, the writer is inviting us into a stillness, into a quiet that is, not, that is not just a ceasing of activity, 
but an invitation into the very nature and character of our God. You see, if we fast forward back to that verse 10, the psalm writer says, be still and know that I am God. Be still, not just cease from your activity, but be still so that, in order that, you might know that I am God. The psalm writer is inviting us into stillness to recognize His greatness, to recognize that He is an ever-present help in trouble, to recognize that He is our refuge and our strength. And no matter what comes, no matter the chaos of the world around us, no matter the pace of your family's life presently, be still and know this truth that God is an ever-present help in trouble. You know, I imagine, I imagine that for the people of Israel, a people not only of wandering out of Egypt to the promised land, but a people who fiercely defended that promised land against people groups long and far. I imagine that for Israel, again and again and again and again, they would want to remind themselves of this truth, that it is God who is our refuge and our strength. It is God who is an ever-present help in trouble, and for that reason, we will not fear. And so, even if, even if armies would come and destroy us, even if God would somehow kick us out of the land and take us to a foreign place where we would be slaves to them, even then we know this truth. Let us remind one another that God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Be still and know this. You know, there is a spiritual practice of silence and solitude. In lots of ways, that's what I feel like my opportunity in a deer blind is. An opportunity for silence and solitude. It is not only an opportunity to slow down, But there is always, it seems for me, whether it's in the mountains of Colorado or in the woods of Metz, Michigan, there is always a moment in that silence and in that solitude when I recognize my own smallness. You know, lots of people, lots of people struggle to be still. Lots of people struggle to sit in silence. Sisters and brothers, we have a very noisy world, a world that is constantly alerting us or notifying us. There are beeps and buzzes in our pocket. There are 24-7 news cycles. There is an internet that never sleeps. There are conversations 
and calendars that keep us busy. And lots of us, it seems, struggle to find that stillness and that silence. Lots of us uncomfortable to be still and silent. It never amazes Pastor Adam or myself the number of comments we get when we choose, when we purposefully choose to employ silence in the context of our worship. It's always fun because everybody looks around to just make sure that nobody screwed up. Maybe Pastor Adam forgot what he was supposed to say. Uh, Maybe Jay forgot what he was supposed to say. Maybe Pastor Brian just literally forgot what came next. And you can watch as God's people grow antsy in the silence and the stillness. The psalm writer invites God's people to be still. To be still. But like me and that dear blind, most of us avoid that stillness because in that stillness, we become very aware of our own smallness. In that stillness and in that silence, some of us become aware of our own insignificance. In the stillness and the silence, some of us become very aware of our own brokenness, our own hurt, our own grief, our own pain. We become aware of our own sin. Most of us avoid silence and stillness because we want to avoid ourselves. And yet, the psalm writer invites us to be still, to recognize, yes, our own smallness, but to also recognize God's greatness so that no matter what comes, no matter what pain surfaces, no matter what grief fills our eyes with tears, no matter what sin I need to repent of. This truth never goes away, that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. This practice, this invitation into stillness to know of God's greatness is not limited, certainly, to the book of Psalms. Imagine that if we were to back up into that beautiful story of God's revelation of himself to Moses. 
there on a mountain in a bush that's burning but not burning up. There in that moment, I wonder how still and silent was Moses. As God revealed himself, as he invites Moses to take the shoes off of his feet because the ground upon which he stands is holy, I wonder how small Moses felt that day as he was still before the God who would reveal himself as the one called I am. I wonder frequently about the prophets of Isaiah, of Jeremiah, of Ezekiel, of Amos, Hosea, of Daniel, any of the prophets of our Old Testament who time and time again were called into a stillness and into a silence, that they might hear from the Lord and then faithfully proclaim to His people what it is He says. I wonder in those moments how small they felt. So fast forward to the Gospels. I wonder about all of these people who have had interactions with Jesus. There's this beautiful story in the Gospels of a man who is possessed by a demon. And as Jesus crosses over the lake, he immediately encounters this man who is living amongst gravestones. And it's been told to Jesus that that the community has done everything within their power to try, to try to constrain and to try to keep in into this small space, to keep this person controlled, but everything has failed. The text of the gospel tells us that Jesus, seeing this man, has compassion on him. His insides are turned for him. And in those moments that in those moments, God would, through Jesus, would cast out this demon so that the man was in his right mind. The text of the gospel is beautiful because as the community comes out to Jesus, they note and they witness that the man was sitting in silence listening to Jesus. sitting in silence, in stillness. I imagine knowing his own smallness and yet the greatness of Jesus. I wonder about the disciples on a boat whose hearts are overrun with fear as the waves and the winds blow. As Jesus silently and in stillness is having himself a nap. The disciples wake him up, fearful for their own life. Jesus, do something. Jesus speaks into the wind and the waves and they become still and silent. I wonder about those disciples, 
I wonder if in that moment they were silent and still, aware of their own smallness, but aware of Jesus' greatness. I wonder about a centurion who stands at the base of a cross, who watches as this Jewish teacher bleeds to death. I wonder, even amidst all of the ruckus of the day, of all the mocking that is happening from the lips of passers-by, I wonder about that centurion as he stands underneath Jesus when he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I wonder if in the moment before that centurion speaks that this is the Son of God. I wonder if there was a moment of stillness and silence. A moment when that centurion recognized his own smallness and yet the greatness of Jesus. I wonder about the women at the tomb on that Easter morning, wondering who was going to roll away a big rock, only to discover that it had already been rolled away, and that the Lord, as He promised, was not there. I wonder when they ducked their heads to climb into that empty tomb. I wonder about their stillness and their silence, of their own smallness and the greatness of Jesus. I wonder, (laughs) I wonder as the disciples watch this resurrected Jesus ascend into heaven where He will rule at the right hand of God. I wonder as, as they watched Jesus ascend to the seat of power about their stillness and their silence, recognizing their own smallness and the greatness of Jesus. Friends, for far too long, you and I, we have avoided the stillness and the silence. We've turned our nose up at the invitation of the psalmist to be still so that we can know some things. And it seems that our hearts and our minds and our lives are the worser for it. Today, friends, we need to heed this invitation to be still and to know that He is God, to know that He will be exalted among the nations, that He will be exalted in all of the earth, and that no matter what comes, no matter what chaos is around us, no matter what brokenness we are experiencing, 
that in Christ, God makes true for you and me that He is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, friends, we should not fear. Today, this Sunday, is the last Sunday of the church year. And it's, it's often celebrated either, either by looking at the end of time and a king who will return and restore all things, or it is to lift up Christ as king. Well, friends, today, at the invitation of this psalmist, we recognize God's sovereignty and that the end will come and that when it does, it will be chaotic, that nations will fight against nation, that mountains will crumble and seas will roar with foam. But you and I, caught in the refuge of Jesus, purchased by his blood, <laughs> sealed in his death and resurrection, that you and I, friends, we should not fear. For even in our smallness, God is great. In these days ahead, I want to encourage you to moments of stillness and silence. And if I can give you any kind of encouragement, allow me to do it this way. Start small. Maybe just two minutes, or three, or four. Be still, not just to cease activity, but to know, but to know God. Let us always sing. Let us always remind one another that God is indeed our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And therefore, we shall not fear. To God be the glory. Amen.